This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome to the show. This is Sportsnet Today here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Logan Gordon along with you. The dynamic production team of Cam and Taylor in the other room. We are live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in beautiful Calgary, Alberta. A practice day today for the Calgary Flames including an injury update from their win over Columbus on Monday. We'll chat with Pete Labardius, our Flames analyst, in just moments to get you the latest on the Flames ahead of their matchup against the Chicago Blackhawks tomorrow. That ends off a four-game homestand for the Calgary Flames. Also this hour, we'll uh, dive into some NHL topics from around the league. Matt Marchese from Sportsnet 590 in Toronto going to join us. Rick Tockett makes his debut as the Vancouver Canucks head coach. Picks up a victory there. Lots to get to uh, around the NHL tonight as well. Oilers are in action against Columbus. Vancouver takes on Seattle. Carolina Dallas on a pretty good night of NHL hockey. And then coming up in hour two... We'll dive more into the CFL story after yesterday's announcement from Bo Levi Mitchell that he is indeed signing with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, a three-year contract for the former Calgary Stampeder, and what that does to the free agency landscape just a couple weeks away. Uh, John Hodge from Three Down Nation going to join us to dive into all of that. Let's kick the program off like we always do, heading down the Atlas Beats and Sports Bar guest hotline. We welcome in the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960. He is Peter Labardius, and he's brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit the GeminiGroup.ca. Good afternoon, Lou. How are you, sir? Good afternoon. I am just fine. Thank you. Good to hear. Uh, back on the practice ice for the Calgary Flames today, uh, ahead of these last two games to finish up this uh, pre-All-Star break schedule for Calgary, and the uh, only place to start is exactly where the head coach started today, and that's on an update uh, from Chris Tanev, who did not finish the game on no. Monday. Um, Tanev will miss, Tanny will miss uh, these two games, and if everything goes well, we'll get him back after the break. So if there's any blessing in having a long break, that'll, that's it, right? So we'll be thankful, you know, because it's with that surgery you had last summer, major surgery, it wasn't, wasn't that. Well, that's good news because that's the first thing I thought about when I saw him leave the ice. And he has had trouble during the course of this year. Certainly early, I've thought, Logan, when it comes to even shooting the puck and just felt so bad for him because it had seemed like in the last few weeks in particular that, you know, it 
takes a while to come back from all that he went through in the summertime and what he somehow played through for a couple of games against the Edmonton Oilers in the spring in the playoffs. So I was very, very concerned when he left the ice to the point where, um, you know, when I came today and started asking, sniffing around, and we'll see um, how this goes, I was worried you might lose him for the rest of the season in terms of if it was in exactly the same area or the same type of injury, how much more can you take? So that sounds like it is better news. And it was one of the first things, as you know, because you're not very far from me during the broadcast, that I mentioned the other night right after he left Mm -hmm. is we're not going to see him for the next couple of games because I know enough about him and his story and people who uh, know far more about medicine than I do <laughs> that this guy's pain threshold is, as has been described to me, as not really human in nature. And that is not even me being a little bit sarcastic, which I can be, try to have some fun. But in this case, that's very much reality. So when he knows he's hurt and goes right to the room and doesn't pass go, that that's not good. But I uttered at the time, well, if ever there was a time for this team, because of what he means in all areas of your group, to have a long break to maybe give yourself some room, this would be the right time. And... So hopefully when they play in New York on the 6th of February and return after their last game, which is Friday night in Seattle, that number eight is back or back not too long after that. And the head coach, you know, echoed, it's a bit of a longer clip from Daryl's media availability this morning, but just talking about Chris Tanev and the impact that he has when he's not in the lineup for the defensive side of things for the Calgary Flames. And the word you'll hear is, you know, it's a dramatic change from Daryl Sutter. And he kind of does a really nice job here of explaining why it's been that way for the Calgary Flames this year and in different parts when they've been without Chris Tanev. So here is Daryl from a little bit earlier today following uh, his team's practice session at the Scotiabank Saddle talking about what the, the change of Chris Tanev out of the lineup does for his group. Change dramatic. Dramatically, when you look at it, you know what? There's two things. Tanny is, everybody gets noticed for their offensive flair and points and all that as defensive, but two things he's so good at is his, is his structure in terms of the X and O's part of your game. He's like he's so detailed in it, and that's part of his preparation. And then, and then the other one's just his one on one play, which is not a structure or anything like that. It's just a defending one on one thing, and that's where. Everybody has to, you know, nobody replaces Chris Tanev, but I think your defense, you know, with guys like Connor coming in and and uh, um, Stoney playing a few more minutes in there, but then Z goes up a notch, right? Those And McKenzie goes back to the right side. Like, it really affects, all right? The only pair that doesn't get affected, and there's Noah and Ross. But, so they have to continue to be really good players, but then the next four have to take that little bump in their game in terms of some of what Chris does. He's a massive part. You know, he's he's the glue in part in that room. He's a massive part of your leadership group. His habits are 
off the charts. Um, I think I mentioned this one day, but had a gentleman with me, and he's a, he's a great young scout, and he works for the Regina Pats, and his name is Brandon Millard. And he came to practice with me one day, and he looked at me about half an hour in, and he said to me, Logan, does this guy always practice this hard and full out every day in every drill? And I said, yes. That's who he is, and that's why he is, and has been for me for a long time, one of the, if you will, best defensive defensemen in the league, and certainly in the Western Conference. I always used to, you know, think even during his Vancouver days, and I'd go around and I'd ask coaches about him every chance I'd get, and not just, you know, when the Flames were playing Vancouver, but other coaches around the league, because I always thought, you know, especially in the mid-2010s, I don't know where the time goes anyway, you know, <laughs> I'd, I'd, sorry, I'd ask, I'd ask other coaches about him because from my vantage point then, and, you know, Chris's game really for me has not dropped off at all, is it was Mark Edward Vlasic and then him in the West as far as those types of players. That's how I saw it, read it. You know, you think back to Vlasic and Weber and what they did, you know, for Canada at the World Cup in 2016 and the brilliant work they did at the Olympics in Sochi in 2014. And, you know, for me, Chris was kind of, you know, and, you know, we had Mark here and and there's other great players, but, he he was always a guy that I have loved to watch play, whether it was a flame or far before then. So you lose a lot, and, you know, we touched on it yesterday in our hit too, Logan. He's your best penalty killer. Plain and simple, he's your best penalty killer because, you know, it requires such great detail and stick positioning and, you know, no fear in terms of getting in the road of blocking shots. So yeah, it's 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 not going to be great and I'm just very happy to hear that cuz I was when I left the rink the other night I'm like, "Oh my goodness. I think this team could still use one more veteran guy to begin with." Mm-hmm. But now if you lose him for a long length of time, you know, your playoff chances for me, not that it's ever about just one guy, but that takes a massive hit if he's out for any length of time. So, you know, the other thing that we'll get into now, because I think it's the biggest subject of the day, and is, so what does that mean? Well, it means we're going to see way more of Zadorov and Uyghur. Uyghur will go back to his strong side as a right-handed shot. And the other really, and Daryl was great today in all his explanations about all kinds of different things, Um, you know, he talked about those two guys together who both have one attribute that he loves, and that is they're both highly, highly competitive people and can be very hard at times to play with. But he also, Logan, pointed to the fact that the structure for both guys can be off at times. And, you know, we've... I used to joke a little bit, and what a character he is, 
talking about Zadorov. All you had to do is listen to Pat's interview yesterday at the poker tournament <laughs> yeah. to, to, you know, into his music. And, and I heard it a couple times actually yesterday and generally I won't listen to an interview twice, but I listened to that one twice and on purpose. Um, you know, he played 26 plus the other night and did a pretty good job and he's had a real good year. Um, and he said he'd like to play 35 if the coaches would send him out there for that. But when he is structured and a little bit more simple and a little less, as I like to call it, Nikita's world, then, you know, he's a really good player. And, and he, for me, on the back end this year is the one guy that's taken, in some ways, the biggest strides from last year. I don't think there's any question about that. So... And they've played some really good hockey together when they've had to this year. So, you know, they'll be important the next couple of days and, you know, certainly will be under a big test. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't share a lot of different philosophies on the sport than the head coach. I really don't. Um, and, you know, when he talks about the value – of your top four in defense, um, I would, I would take if I had a choice. Now you need both, but I would take a great top four myself personally over a great top six up front. That's how I feel about the sport and and trying to win. It's not as sexy. It's not as exciting. It's not necessarily going to win scoring races. But I do think having a great top four on defense and really good goaltending takes you a long way when it matters the most. And your ability to check. Your ability to check throughout your group. I want to ask you about Connor Mackey and the opportunity to come back into the lineup. Potentially, we're only talking two games here, but it's been an up and down season for, for Connor. He had a good training camp. I think in part his training camp led to the decision to put yes. Yusuf Alamaki on waivers. It did. And I don't think it's worked out quite as well as Connor would have hoped, given that there has been some more opportunity with obviously Oliver Shillington being away from the team, some of the injuries we've had on the back end here in Calgary to talk about. What do you want to see from Connor in these two games, Lou? He spent a lot of time in and out of the press box, and that can be hard for anybody. Well, and I think it's particularly hard on a young player because in the case of Connor Mackey, who, by the way, if you ever spend any time with him, he's a, he's a pretty awesome young person. I've really enjoyed my few visits with him over the last couple of years. You know, he's, he's another one of those easy guys to like and easy guys to cheer for. Um, you know, this... Getting into the NHL and becoming a regular in this league requires a lot. And you're also trying to do it with a very, very demanding coach who, you know, you absolutely have to earn your stripes. And so with Connor's game, and I've definitely seen strides. Remember, he played four years at Minnesota State. I know he's 26 years old. Uh, but his path has been a little bit different. Saw great strides, you know, in the American League last season from the year before. So that was great. 
And, but Logan, the problem is twofold. He just hasn't played a lot of hockey games. So at a time where, yes, he's 26, he doesn't have a lot of NHL experience under his belt. And so when you're a young player and you're trying to find your way and you don't know when you're, next assignment is coming I know what happens you put even more pressure on yourself because the truth of the matter is if you're being completely honest with yourself you're confident because you can't get to the NHL if you're not a really good player period end of story but you don't know where you fit and you certainly have no idea about you know, where it's going to end for you or where right now you even are. So what do you do? You come out tomorrow, you know you're going to get a certain amount of minutes depending on special teams and the type of game. Here's Connor's biggest attribute, his skating ability. He's an excellent skater. However... The next step for me, always with him, and it is this way for lots of players, are you assertive? And and do you use your smarts to allow you to be assertive at the right time? Do you manage the game properly? Um, you know, he can be certainly a guy who's not at all afraid to be tenacious. But don't get yourself in penalty trouble. If you were to ask Nikita Zadorov or a lot of other defensemen, I think it's way easier in some respects in terms of getting in a groove, feeling better about yourself when you're going out there for 18 to 20 as opposed to maybe 8 to 10 because there is a lot of pressure on those shifts. And in the NHL, if you're going to be a so-called third-pairing defenseman, Logan, the one thing you cannot be is someone that you feel like you can't play because it's too high risk to have you out there. And other teams, including the Chicago Blackhawks, will be looking for every chance they get tomorrow night to get their top forwards, Patrick Kane and company, out against that group. That's how it works. Especially in the second period, long change. That's another factor. So be assertive. Rely on what got you here. And as Daryl also pointed out, talking about Connor and then you know making reference to guys during his time in L.A., like an Alec Martinez... You never know, because confidence is everything. You never know, but you have to rely on who you are, what you do best, and then at this level, you've got to do that the best that you can and do it consistently, and it's unbelievably hard. So, um, you know, he'll be in the lineup tomorrow night. I don't think there's any question about that, and we'll see where it goes. Uh, before I let you go, Lou, uh, definitely wanted to ask you about a uh, big game tonight in Langley, B.C. I'm sure you'll be watching uh, another edition of the well, CHL. We have, a, we have a little event at Roos Chris. Okay. A little client dinner. There you and go. Of course, you know, I can't miss that no. one. No. Um, well, you're going to find a way to get this well. one. Oh, well, it's funny because I walked in today and the general manager goes, 
are, are you going to the game tonight? And I'm thinking, <laughs> is he talking about is he talking about the Wrangler game tonight? So that's what I said to Brad. He goes, no, no. He goes, are you going to Langley tonight? And I go, Ugh. I'd love to be going, but. Uh, and I'm not afraid of tight turnarounds, as you know, to see sporting events. Nope. But, uh, yes, it will be on the old PVR, and uh, I will be absolutely watching when I get home. And it's, you know, it's for people who might tune into that game tonight on some other network, um, it's it's a really, really good class of players the you know there are some late 2004s like nate danielson who's an excellent prospect from the brandon wheat kings just saw him the other night at the saddle dome he looked great yeah he's uh he's got some things going on doesn't he big great speed can create separation again another young player that you know when i talked to some scouts and i talked to a couple recently about him it's it's that same thing. It's it's the consistency. Sometimes it's, you know, your battle level for pucks in, in harder areas. But Nate Danielson has got some elite type speed, skill, and size. And the 2005 age group, especially in our country, and you'll see some, you know, international players tonight as well because there's some good ones playing in the CHL, as there always is. But I would highly recommend this one because I think this is one of the best birth years, 2005, certainly in our country, that I've seen. The 2001s were really good. You know, that was with Doc and and Byram and that group. So that was a really good group too. Um, But this this one for me is a class above that one, I think. You know, you never know how it's going to play out at the next level no matter how much you watch and how closely you watch. But um, if the Holenka Gretzky is any indication, which I attended every second of this summer in Red Deer, um, you know, it's it's a really good group, whether it's Braden Yeager and Moose Jaw. I absolutely love Zach Benson from the Winnipeg Ice. Um, go Callum Ritchie, um, who's a – who's a really special talent from the Oshawa Generals, some great defensemen, um, probably higher end, I would say, Logan on the forward front across the country. Uh, Barlow out of Owen Sound is a – Colby is a terrific player. Now you got – now Now I think I'm not going to the dinner and see if I can get a late flight, a late flight to Vancouver. Sorry. My Damn bad. it. That's, oh. my, that's my best. My bad. <laughs> oh, look, you, you can't go wrong at Roos Chris. Let's be honest. It's You're going to be. Well, I mean, I don't. If there's, there's one thing that can take your mind off of this, it's yeah, Roos Chris. You're, you're, you're right. And you know what, though? I'm, I'm on a bit of a program these days, so it's a little terrifying because I don't know if I can stay away from, you know, I, I love the steaks. I love the chicken dish there. It's dynamite. We were talking about it in the room before the hit. Um, you know, the sweet potato casserole. It just, you know, Ooh. give me a spoon and get out of my way. <laughs> um, so I'm going to enjoy tonight, but I'm going to do it. What's that word that I'm not very good at? Um, I'm going to enjoy it as moderately as I possibly can. <laughs> Uh, you're the best, Lou. Thanks for the time, as always, pal. 
Thanks. Bye bye. There you go. Pete Lavardius, color of voice on the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. He joins us every single day to kick off the program here on Sportsnet today. He's brought to you by our good friends at the Gemini Group Home Renovations. The Gemini Group knows your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group is now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit the Gemini Group. Dot C A. Uh, no Flames hockey today. They're back in action tomorrow when they take on the Chicago Blackhawks at home uh, here at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. But uh, five matchups on the NHL ice tonight, including a premier matchup out east between the Rangers and the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll check in with some NHL topics across the board, including uh, some words from NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman over the last 24 hours to dive into. Matt Marchese from Sportsnet 590. Uh, in Toronto is going to join us, and we'll chat some more NHL around the corner here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour one rolls on here. Sportsnet Today, Logan Gordon along with you. Live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. No Calgary Flames hockey today. Back on the practice ice, getting set for their matchup against the Chicago Blackhawks tomorrow. But Sportsnet's got you covered for that hockey fix tonight. 5 o'clock, Islanders-Senators on Sportsnet 1. Across the Sportsnet television network, how about this? A premier matchup out east between the Rangers and the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then out west, Johnny Gaudreau and the Columbus Blue Jackets, following their loss to the Flames, are up the road in Edmonton. Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet West will cover that one for you starting at 7.30. But uh, talk about some things across the NHL right now. Very excited to bring in our next guest uh, from our sister station, Sportsnet 590 in Toronto. Uh, He's a frequent member, producer, co-host, fill-in, whatever you want to call him, uh, on the Jeff Merrick show that you hear every single day here. On Sportsnet 960, the fan Matt Marchese joins us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Matty, how are you, man? I'm good. Uh, you can call me the uh, jack of all trades, master of none. How about that? <laughs> yeah, that, that works out pretty well. Uh, yeah, you do a little bit of everything uh, on the Jeff Merrick show, and we uh, we love hearing you out there. And uh, you even got some fill-in time not uh, not all that long ago. You're the the go-to guy when Merrick needs uh, a day off for for whatever reason, hey? Yeah, I, I lucked out with that one. Um, I get to I get to host and produce the show, and uh, which you know all too well. Yeah, and uh, it's it's been a it's been a nice experience. I'm just shocked that they let me on TV. Logan. That's <laughs> that's what I'm shocked with. Yeah, the whole radio to TV transition is one that none of us were prepared for, and the uh, least prepared were the audience that has to uh, actually see what happens in these studios and the faces behind the voices, eh? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's good. Like I always got the I have a, a group of uh, buddies that I'm in a fantasy football league with and they're like, oh, yeah, Matt, you got a face for radio. So I screenshotted a picture of me on TV. I said, not anymore, guys. And I said, even though it's not pretty, it still works. Exactly. Uh, thanks for hopping on, Matt. I always appreciate the time. Lots going on around uh, the NHL. Some really cool storylines. And the one I wanted to start with was uh, you heard a tweet earlier this morning and I, I actually love it. It's a take that I. Uh, agree on wholeheartedly. I've never understood the jersey toss. I don't get it. It's never been my thing. I think there are much better ways to voice your displeasure if you're a fan. But last night in Vancouver, it was Rick Tockett's debut as head coach, and a Canucks fan decided 
nope, I'm done with it. I've had enough of this jersey. Onto the ice it goes. And you had a good point. Like, you paid for the ticket. You paid for the jersey. You're still going to be a fan. I don't think you're releasing your fandom by dropping that jersey on. So it's another 200 bucks out of your pocket. I've never got the jersey toss thing, man. No, neither have I. And and when I saw that, I was trying I was trying to think about how to phrase it. And and in the tweet, I basically said like the team beat you three times. You you paid for the ticket, you paid for the jersey, you throw it on the ice, and guess what? In six months, you're gonna go, man, I'm an idiot. Oh, I need to go buy another jersey. And guess what? When you buy that jersey, they just beat you three nothing. So the the only way, like if you have displeasure with an organization, and we we've seen it. We've seen it in in different sports and, you know, even to an extent um, in Toronto, we saw it a little bit as well. When your team is bad or you disagree with something that the organization is doing, stop going to the rink. It's very simple, in my opinion, because how do you hurt teams? You hurt them by attacking their wallet because and and by not buying the ticket and by not, you know, in in essence, you're you're not purchasing anything from the team you're not going there and spending money at the concession stands like you are you are hurting them where it matters but by doing like what did you prove here's the other thing there is no like 15 seconds of fame or whatever that goes along with throwing your jersey on the ice do we know historically of any person and their name that has ever thrown a jersey on the ice the answer is probably no and so with that being said did you really gain anything from it you just you, you look like an ass. That's what that's what it comes down to. And you just wasted money. Why did you show up to the rink? At that point, if you're gonna do something like that, that's like even the people that burn jerseys. Like, give me a break. Like a guy gets traded or or he doesn't want to be a part of the organization. You're really gonna burn the jersey. It proves nothing. And and last night in Vancouver, listen, I understand that things are not going well in Vancouver. I live in Toronto. <laughs> I've seen what not good looks like for a long period of time. Like I was in high school the last time, and I'm old, by the way. Um, I was in <laughs> high school the last time that the Toronto Maple Leafs won a playoff series. So to throw a jersey on the ice, like in Toronto, they threw waffles on the ice. Like, I mean, it's just, it's overblown. It's dumb. And at the end of the day, like you said, you're still going to be a fan. You're going to go out and you're going to buy another ticket. You're going to watch them on TV. You're going to go buy another jersey. It's just, it's fandom. So to do that, just, it doesn't make any sense to me. The weirdest thing I thought about that last night too, Maddie, was haven't there been worse days and other days to throw your jersey on the ice if you're a Canucks fan this year? And hey, maybe that was this guy's one game a year and he was going to make a point of it and that was that was the case. But I mean... I thought at least they would be happy. The coaching thing is behind them. They're moving on with Rick Tockett. There were a lot of worse days than last night to be a Canucks fan this year. There has been. And like, let's let's look back at the beginning of the season when they couldn't hold a lead in the third period. There were plenty of opportunities to throw jerseys, multiple jerseys onto the ice. And, you know, through through all of that, the fans are still showing up. They're still... There's still uh, an interest in this team. I mean, the Vancouver Canucks have been, at least from our perspective in the media, the gift that has kept on giving. Like, I couldn't even imagine covering this team on a day-to-day basis, what that's like. But as a fan, I mean, 
Yes, you go through a roller coaster of emotions. Yes, you know, sometimes things are bad. But last night, and they went they went out and dominated the not very good Chicago Blackhawks, but they also could have gone out and just had a complete dud in that game. And then what happened? Like at that point, then you can be pissed off. If you're it just you're right. Last night was not the opportunity for someone to go out and throw a jersey on the ice. I, I don't like throwing jerseys on the ice at the best of times like i know jeff brought it up on the show today just like when you're gonna do it do it in a break if you really really want to do that Mm -hmm. but while guys are skating on the ice like that's dangerous so not only is it dangerous it's stupid so but it's it's been a dark cloud in vancouver i get that um I think the worst thing that ever happened to this organization was them getting some false hope from the bubble when Thatcher Demko kind of he stole series for them essentially. And, and they've kind of just been around the murky middle or outside of the playoffs since then. And sometimes that sense of false hope. And I, I felt like that was the case in Toronto, at least after the, the lightning series, sometimes a sense of false hope for an organization after you, you know, a, your goalie steals a series for you, or, you know, you, you outscore your opponent despite your goalie it just kind of gives you a false sense of what your team is. And I, I feel like that's what happened with the Canucks. What uh, what do you think this team is going to do heading into the trade deadline here, Maddie? It, it feels like they've said a lot of big words and promised a lot of big change. But every time they've said that, whether it's Rutherford or Alvin or whoever, it's always come with the caveat of, okay, well, we'd love to move out big contracts or make major surgery, but... If no one's going to trade with us, we're, we just can't do anything like that. That's a weird approach to it because, to me, that's a, a weird way of saying, look, if no one's willing to give us anything good, we're just not going to do anything. And that can't really be your approach at this time. They've got a lot of interesting conversations to be had. Bo Horvat's obviously the, the main one there. But as got pointed out a couple of times last night, too, by a couple of people in the media, Andre Kuzmenko presents a very interesting opportunity for the Vancouver Canucks if they're willing to look at trading him ahead of the trade deadline too. And and the thing with Kuzmenko is like, you know, he's 26 years old. He's he's certainly not old. And when we look at Bo Horvat, Bo Horvat's 27 years old. And and the the one thing with Kuzmenko is he's been so good in his first year. Like he hits the 20 goal mark already. He's been so good in his first year playing in North American hockey that you kind of wonder what's next for him. Like, I'm not saying that he's Kirill Kaprizov. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going there, but he's had a really good start to his NHL career. He is an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. If the Vancouver Canucks are not willing to play ball, and I don't know how they are going to play ball with all these contracts that could potentially pose problems for them. I don't think that the Canucks move him because I, I think that they, they I don't want to say they moved heaven and earth to kind of get him to Vancouver, but I do believe that Bruce Boudreaux was a big reason why he came over to the Vancouver Canucks and he's not there anymore. So I would be, I would be very curious to see what the Kuzmenko camp thinks about what's going on in Vancouver, but, but what's his number? Like, is he, is he going to sign a, a two year deal at, you know, five per, because I, I, if he's he's on pace to score like 35 goals or 32 goals, whatever the case may be, uh, you pay for goals in the NHL. And if another team is looking at that and willing to go a little bit higher than that, like here's here's the 
maybe not the direct comparable, but when you look at Ilya Mikheyev's deal, he's got another three years at $4.75 million. Um, I, I like Ilya Mikheyev. I liked him during his time in Toronto, but if I'm the Vancouver Canucks, I would rather have Andre Kuzmenko. So it's going to be a really interesting situation what happens with Kuzmenko. On the Horvat thing, listen, I think that they've they've already... They, I, I believe that they have a lot of teams almost best offers in their pocket right now because inherently what happens is teams will never present with the best offer. We know that because you always want to you know, see if you can get the guy for maybe a little bit less than what you bargained for. And as the, the population of teams starts to increase of who's interested, then you can start to weed out these offers and then you could say, okay, I need this amount more in order for you to get said player. My thing with the Bo Horvat conversation is, I wonder what the timeline is here. If I'm a team trying to acquire him, I probably want him sooner rather than later. Um, in in the event that potentially he gets hurt, then he's taken off the board for you, and then you kind of got to go look in a different direction. But I do believe that for a guy that is on pace to shatter the 50-goal mark, I think that somebody's going to pay a bounty for him. And the way that he's been playing right now, uh, I, I would be willing to pay whatever the price is for him. Interested in your take on this one, Matty. And I'll give you a, a buy or sell on a comment that Gary Bettman made uh, in a media availability yesterday. I'm sure you know what it is, but I'm curious where you're going on this. Gary Bettman says teams don't tank. That's silly. That's, that's just not something that happens in the National Hockey League. Does Matt Marchese buy or sell that comment from Gary Bettman? I buy the comment because he hedged it by saying players and coaches don't tank. There was no mention of front office or ownership that tanks, was there? And so I I do believe that players in the NHL do not tank because they don't care about the next guy coming up. Like, that's a guy that could potentially be taking their job. So why am I going to play worse for you when I'm a commodity and if somebody else better comes along, you're just going to kick me out the door. And coaches are coaches that aren't on long-term deals, I think maybe, for example, Martin Saint-Louis in Montreal. I think that Martin Saint-Louis is trying to find a balance between winning and losing, if you know what I mean, right now. Because you still have to develop these young players. Whereas, you know, a team like Chicago, it is it is very evident that that team is not very good. They're not going anywhere fast. They are trying to tank for Connor Bedard. The players do not do that. Ownership and front offices are saying, listen, we're going to try and make our team as bad as possible while still trying to be somewhat competitive. And I put competitive in quotations there. But at the end of the day, Gary's right. Players and coaches, generally speaking, do not tank. But front offices and ownership groups look at the the potential for having Connor Bedard in your lineup for the next ten years, and you and especially for ownership, you see dollar signs. You see potentially one of the most marketable players in the NHL because he may be as good as Connor McDavid. And we don't know that, but he might be. And that's where their heads are going. They see dollar signs. They see filled up buildings. They see the concession stands. They see jersey sales, all of that stuff. And if you're the general manager of the team, you look at the the opportunity to have Connor Bedard 
on an entry level deal and other players potentially looking at a situation and going, you know what? I might want to go play with that guy for a couple of years. And you inherently make your team better just by having Connor Bedard in your organization. So I see why Gary, I, Gary needs to, Gary works for the owners and he's certainly not going to throw them under the bus. And he did a good job of not throwing the players and coaches under the bus while also saying that, but mm-hmm. yeah, like I, I get it. Gary's going to say what Gary's going to say. He's never going to admit that there's tanking in the league because that would be bad for business. Talk to me about the Toronto Maple Leafs, Matt. Uh, obviously, where you guys are out in Toronto, it's it's never quiet. It's uh, always a story around the Toronto Maple Leafs. It hasn't been, at least from my perspective, it doesn't seem like it's been an overly contentious year as far as things go for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But I'm curious how... I guess I'm curious about what the feel is around this team at this point of the year because I look at the standings today and I'm inherently led to believe that given that Boston is 14 points clear of everybody else in the NHL, that we're sitting here looking at another round one series between Toronto and Tampa Bay. And if I was someone that follows the Maple Leafs or cheered for the Maple Leafs, I don't know how I would feel about that because... Obviously, Tampa is Tampa. They've been to three straight Stanley Cup finals. They've beaten you in this position before. There's still a trade deadline, and there's obviously things that will change between now and the end of the season, Maddie. But I wonder if it's an optimistic feel in Toronto. Hey, we get another chance at, at taking out Tampa Bay. Is it pessimistic? Where does it sort of land when you talk about where the Toronto Maple Leafs sit as of today? I think... I, I say this every year because I think it's cautious optimism with this group because you never want to get too high with them because they always just find a way to let you down in the first round anyway, or in previous years, just not even make the playoffs. But, you know, what coming into this season, I thought that this team was worse. I looked at the moves that were made. I looked at the going into this season with a really – I don't want to say unproven goaltending tandem, but one that certainly raised eyebrows Two new goaltenders from what they had last year. And they, they probably took on more cap space for Matt Murray than they ideally wanted to. Um, But the goaltending's worked out. Like, I mean, Matt Murray struggled lately, but Ilya Samsonov has been a revelation. And that was the move that I thought when I looked at it said, if there was going to be any return on value, it was going to be Samsonov at one year at $1.8 million. And he's been way better than, and especially at home, his numbers are incredible. I still look at this Toronto Maple Leafs team and I say, there's not enough snarl there. I don't see, I don't see enough physicality to win a playoff series, let alone multiple playoff series. And ho-hum, you got to play the Tampa Bay Lightning again. But I do wonder if they look at this situation and say, okay, if we are going to advance here, we we need to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's pretty much set in stone. So are they going to go out and make moves based on who they're playing against? And when it comes to the potential moves that they're going to make, I know everybody keeps saying defensemen, but defensively, I actually think they've been okay. And I think they've been better than last year. And part of that is I think their goaltending is better than it was last year. Jack Campbell had a couple of good months, but there was long stretches where he was not very good. And to the point where you wondered if he was going to even be the starting goalie once the playoffs rolled around, if Peter Morazic was able to string together at least some sort of consistent play. But this season, 
I look at a top six forward and are the least willing to pay that price for, for whatever a top six forward costs. I'm not so certain of that, but you could make the argument that in previous years, the Leafs haven't been hindered by their defensive play or their goaltending, but the fact that they haven't been able to score in the playoffs, or at least last year outside of, you know, Nylander who had a couple of rough games, Matthews, Marner, and Tavares, nobody else really pulled their weight. And you can make the argument that if they had another guy, that maybe that was the case. The Leafs are not playing the same style as they did last year. They are not the run and gun team. And I I wonder if the loss to Tampa Bay and losses in previous years, they've realized that maybe what Sheldon Keefe is preaching about playing solid defensive hockey and being responsible in your own end and letting the defensive end take care of the offensive end that if that has now resonated with this group and they've kind of figured it out for a team that I thought was worse than they were last year, uh, they, they are on pace to be close to setting the team record for a second straight year for points in a season. That's how much worse they are than last year. But I think a top six forward is, is in the mix. And and I think if they add that, I think you're going to see the optimism ramp up just a little bit more because, hey, they took Tampa Bay to seven games last year, and I think that's where the cautious optimism kind of comes in. Like, they were close, and you could make the argument that John Tavares's goal should have counted and Justin Hall should not have been assessed a penalty on that play, but I digress. So I think I think that they're looking at this going, I think, in the words of Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes that's, that's all we can hope for. And, hey, look, when you've got – you know, the guys that you've mentioned and, and Marner's having a great season. Nylander just had himself a great game the other day. It's it's hard not to be optimistic. And I, I feel for Leafs fans in that in that general area. Uh before I let you go, Maddie, I have to ask, um, what's the the disappointment level for Matt Marchese following a, another Buffalo Bills season ender uh this year at the hands of the Cincinnati Bengals? Um, it was not fun in my house like I had a few friends over uh, my dad who's been a Bills fan for years uh, my brother who's a Bills fan much like myself and I after the after the Bengals score on the first drive where the Bills offered absolutely zero resistance defensively I just looked at everybody and I went this is gonna be a long day and turns out I was right it was a long day (laughs) and I I wasn't even like as a new parent, I can't wait to use this phrase. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. And that's exactly what it was. I wasn't even mad. I was disappointed. And I asked my dad. Yeah, because you can like, lose to the Bengals, right? There's no there's no shame in losing to the Bengals. It's how they it's lost. how they lost. It, it was pathetic. The, it was just not good. And I just looked at my dad. I said, I don't know how you have done this for 50 plus years. And he looked at me and said, did what? I said, You cheer for the Leafs. They do this every year. It's the same story. The Buffalo Bills do this every year. It's the same story. And the Toronto Blue Jays have done this every year for almost 30 years now as we approach, you know, close to the 30th anniversary of their last World Series title. I said, I don't know how you do this. Like, I would have been long gone a long time ago. He just looked at me and said, what choice do I have? And I said, and that's why my daughter's going to be a fan of all the teams that I am because what choice do I have? And so it was just, it was an all around disappointment. Um, They went in with so many expectations. I know they dealt with a lot of adversity this year, but the Bengals just showed them like, this is the work that you have to do to improve. And this is like, you got to beat Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes for the next 10 years. Like have fun with that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it was a pretty clear sign that they're still as good as Josh Allen can be and as good as that defense can be. I think that it's clear there's still a step that needs to be taken. And, hey, I feel for a guy like Josh Allen because I look at, you know, some of the guys around him in the AFC, especially the two guys that are going to go head-to-head this weekend, Maddie. And, and look, they've, they've done a better job than the Bills have, at least recently, of surrounding him with talent. Because, really, you, you can't be picking up Cole Beasley – off the streets and having him be, you know, your slot third down guy this late in the season. You have to be able to, when you've got T Higgins and, and Jamar Chase on the other side, and look, Dawson Knox has been great, but I just feel for Josh Allen in the sense of, hey, sometimes when you got to throw the ball 50 times a night, everybody knows where Diggs is. There's no surprise that Diggs is double covered or, or you know, is going to get the bulk of the attention I think there's still a step that this Bills team can take if they want to be in that true contender status. Yeah, they need to they need to add another weapon on offense. They need to they give themselves some versatility. But you know what's funny? You mentioned Cole Beasley there. Like what made them so successful on third downs over the course of the last two seasons was, you know, when we need five yards on third down, we get five or six. It it seemed to me like a lot during the year, and especially late in the year, they were trying to get 20 when they needed five or six on third down. And that to me was like, you brought Cole Beasley in for that reason. You drafted a guy like Khalil Shakir, who ended up having a, a pretty decent playoff, all things being considered. You drafted the, him for that reason, like those short intermediate routes where you get five or six yards and then you just keep moving the change. They, they, they wanted to run the ball better and they did for times, but then they completely got away from it. Um, I think they need to have a look in the mirror. Like Sean McDermott, I think for the third straight year said he got out coached. Like I'm not, I like Sean McDermott. Um, but if you get out coached for a third consecutive playoff and you're ousted again, then there's a problem here. And I don't know if that's a change that's going to be made. I don't think Sean McDermott's going anywhere, but I would be very curious to see what they do at the offensive coordinator position. I know Ken Dorsey is interviewed for some head coaching jobs and, and I wonder if they hope that he gets one. Yeah, it's interesting how that uh, how that goes. So we'll see. Uh, Going to be a good weekend of football, and hey, one of these we one of these years it won't surprise me if your Bills uh, are here this late in the season. Matt, I took up a ton of your time. Really do appreciate it, man. Uh, thanks for checking in with us on this afternoon. Really do appreciate it. Anytime, buddy. Anytime you need me, let me know. Take care. Matt Marchese joining us from our sister station, Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto. You can hear him every single day as part of the Jeff Merrick Show. He's producer, host, jack of all trades uh, for that show that runs uh, 10 to noon every single day here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. You can also follow Matt on Twitter at MattyMar89. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. We'll hear from head coach Daryl Sutter and a couple other members of the Calgary Flames following practice today. No Chris Tanev. He will not play for the Calgary Flames in their next two games pre-All-Star break. We'll get an update on that uh, and more on the other side. This is Sportsnet 960, The Fan.